Hey guys, welcome back to uh, the second installment of our special edition from the Mailbag. I'm Dan Moran. I'm Patrick Inhofer. And I'm Robbie Carmen. And guys, in this installment, we're going to talk about the sort of meat and potatoes of Resolve 12. Um, now guys, before we dive into, I know we each have, you know, three or four kind of uh, favorite things, but before we dive into that, let's start with kind of, I don't know, I don't, it's not quite an elephant in the room, but a big deal uh, is that Blackmagic Marketing has decided that DaVinci Resolve Lite is no longer, yep. uh, and we have a new um, you know, sort of name for the full version. Uh, what's that all about, Dan? What are, what are, we, what are the new names? So uh, Resolve Lite has now become just Resolve, so it's DaVinci Resolve 12, and then the full version has become... DaVinci Resolve Studio. Mm. So in my head, that's kind of like good old marketing speak for, well, you know, light's not that light anymore. Mm -hmm. It is pretty much the full software. And then the studio is going to evolve over time to get, you know, maybe some more features, particularly on the compositing side. Fusion and integration is what you're thinking, right? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, it's Especially funny, because yeah. I'm not all that familiar with Fusion. I didn't realize there was Fusion Studio. And so when I read about this, um, my first instinct was, yeah, this will make it tons easier for people like us to explain what the difference is between the free version. It's no longer free. It's what's the difference between Resolve, difference between Resolve and Studio? Yeah. You get all the Studio stuff, right? All the <laughs> stuff you need when you have multiple people working together, plus, you know, motion blur and noise reduction. Yeah, and, and I mean, and some, and some colla and collaborative things as well, like the shared databases and all that kind of stuff. Exactly, but all the stuff you need when you want multiple people working Resolve. In a studio. In a studio. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? It makes total sense. It, it makes it, a lot of sense. It does, and I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the one thing that I've always had a problem with the word light is that it implies yes. a sort of inferiority, you know? Yep. It's like it's not it's disabled. Not as, yeah, disabled, not as good. And I mean, I think that... Um, Black Magic Marketing obviously kind of realized that. So I'm all on board uh, for this name change. Did you see um, their, their press release? Uh, I don't know if I saw that. <laughs> There's like th two or three paragraphs in there where they explain that it's they change it from light to just DaVinci Resolve because there's nothing light about it. They yeah. go on yeah. to explain why they love the freemium to paid upgrade as opposed to the cloud subscription thing. They took some definite shots at Adobe for their <laughs> business model. Sure. Yeah, yeah, there were some real, real <laughs> shots fired in, the, in that press release. I, I got a good couple of chuckles out of it. So, guys, the first thing, you know, when I installed Resolve 12 uh, in the private beta, now obviously the public beta, and, you know, clicked on the, the button near my dock or my taskbar in Windows and opened it up, it was, I was like, oh, whoa, this is a... Uh, uh, totally new UI, and I guess I knew that obviously because I'd seen it at NAB, and uh, we talked about that in previous mailbag episodes. But this is a really like just different, enhanced, you know, crazy new UI. Um, I got to tell you, after quite a few weeks of using it now, totally down with the new UI. I thought it was I thought it was going to be um, kind of you know aggravating. Where's this go? Where's that go? Um, my general impression of it is that things are thinner and cleaner. You know, there's like thinner lines, less blockiness, that kind of stuff. Um, there's been a whole lot of, you know, buttons added, that kind of stuff. What, what are your guys' feelings about the, the overall UI change? I love it. Like, it, it, they basically started from scratch again. My, my initial opening was like the usual, oh, God, where's everything? Where's all my favorite buttons? But, uh, like, they, they again, it's kind of like a rep repetitive every year, we always say this, but they really do listen. Like, I remember when the Lightbox came out, I yeah. did that traditional... Um, kind of user thing of, oh, this is great, but can you do this? And they're like, no, but we, we, we will in the future. And they have. I love the way that when you've got a second monitor, now you can, you can actually work with it a lot better. So, uh, you know, it's like a natural evolution, but everything's so much better again. 
So you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, man. What do you think, Pat? Well, my first thought was, oh, my God, I have to re-record 14 hours of training. <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 mine, too, actually. That was my, my, my first thought. Too. And, then once, <laughs> and then, but, you know, once you actually get it on your personal system and you're working with it, it's pretty good. You know, I, I, there's always this tension between uh, why did we do the UI update? And, and I kind of get it. I mean, one of the reasons you, you can tell is is that it works on a lot more different screen resolutions now. Yep. I mean, that was yep. one of their motivating things for it. So you can run this thing on uh, a MacBook Air. Some people are, are running it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. And it's working at that screen resolution. It also means that the UI looks ridiculous. Um, every, you know, you lose all the, the, the wordage on all the labels, and it's all just symbols. And some of the symbols don't make any sense to me without the text next to it. Um, I think it's very hard to work and resolve that way, but it's doable. I mean, if you're on set and that's what you need, I, I suppose you can get something done. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because I, I actually thought that you know when I when I started diving into it that I felt that there's a lot of new flexibility in the UI, and of course, uh, this is a reminder to everybody. We'll be having, of course, in the next few weeks a uh, just a plethora of new Resolve 12 insights going up. But um, mm. you know, one of the things that I thought about it was I'm thinking about a tool like Premiere Pro or the Avid or Final Cut Pro 10. Even, right and i'm thinking that hey now there's a lot more like layout options right like with those modal yeah. like those modal buttons that they've added yep. for you know hiding things and opening things and I, I think they've that. i think they've really done a good thing with the paradigm that they've invented for they didn't want to have like floating windows and kind of be like everybody else like get so like the idea that you know you can click on a button to open or close something i like the, the dual screen stuff, I think, is really key to a lot of editors. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's, it completely changes the way editing happens on there. Yeah. I mean, not so much, in unfortunately, in my hardware setup with stuff in the machine room and DVI extenders and all that <laughs> kind of jazz. You know, it complicates things, but... I totally get why they did it, you know, and all that the screen layout stuff, I think, is much more much more efficient. Um, now, I just I think that overall, for me, um, I kind of just feel that it's a that the interface is not compromising as much as it has in the past. Um, it always looked pretty, right? Um, yeah. But you always got frustrated, like, why can't I move this? Why can't I do this? Why can't I hide that? And I think they've really, really attacked a lot of those misgivings that I've had about the UI. And like you guys, at first I was like, oh, this is so weird. But now I'm just like, I can totally see it. For the now, the tens of thousands of users that they have, there's so much more flexibility in that setup, which is huge. Yeah, I, I, and I do have a couple criticisms, but we're going to do a, one more of these mailbags. We're going to talk about some problems we have. So I'd like to save my criticisms for that. All right. Well, um, then that, that's a good segue yeah. then into talking a little bit about our top features and what we like. Uh, and Pat, um, I know that we have some of the same likes, but let me, uh, let me hear it from the horse's mouth. If you had to, if you had to give me your first top favorite best, like you couldn't live without, <laughs> Oh my God, what took them so long to make this feature? Give it to me. Well, I don't have one of those. Oh, I have, no. I have a bunch of them that I really like. Yeah. Uh, I have none that, have changed like for me in Resolve 11 groups changed how I graded right right sure I, I don't yeah. have anything in here this year that I'm looking at that I rethink how I'm color grading uh, but I will tell you here's something that you're probably not going to hear from a lot of colorists which which is why I'm going to include that I'm going to start with this is the huge number of keyboard shortcuts that we now have in the color page um, in the edit page in Resolve 11 there were a bunch of keyboard shortcuts that were assignable, 
that had no pull-down menus, that had no keystrokes, but you can make it your own. And, you know, because the edit page is kind of brand new with all that functionality, they started it with a ton of keyboard, potential keyboard shortcuts you could assign. Again, recognizing editors, I think, right? Recognizing yeah. editors, but the, yeah. on the color page side, not so much. It was what it was. There weren't a lot of really new assignable um, items. Here in Resolve 12, that's starting to change. I don't have as much yet as I'd like to see in terms of hitting a keyboard shortcut and pulling up, let's say, uh, the hue versus curve, right? Hue mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. hue or something. I'd love to see that. We don't have that yet. But what we do have are, you know, shift two, four, six, eight to go to each of the edit pages. We've got shift nine to pull up our keyboard, um, our project settings. We've got, I can assign and have assigned, and this is part of, what I really love is I've started using the um, X keys panel with my um, tangent element. And so, you know, Josh Peacock had done a great insight a couple weeks for us on using X keys. And I've started optimizing it with the tangent element. And I got to tell you, I am so much faster now. I can do things like with a push of a button, switch from ha switch handles mode on and off right? Touch of a button. Uh, even looping, right? That's like on the, if you know the element that's on, you know, one of the A sides, you have to hit the loop button, then you go to the B side to, to navigate between nodes. I assign it to my X key. I have my X key button light up when it's active. So I, I don't forget when I'm in loop or the highlight mode. I have the button light up when it's active so that I don't forget I'm in highlight mode. And I've just become so much more productive with even the small set of extra keyboard shortcuts they've assigned in combination with the X keys. So the, I would say that is my biggest number one workflow enhancement right now is the ability to map these keyboard shortcuts to an external device like that. All right, well, I'm going to cheat, okay? I'm going to take like <laughs> three or four features and round them into one uh, kind of universal theme. And that is... Um, uh, what I would refer to as secondary color correction or secondary tools uh, enhancements. Um, the first one, part of that is the new 3D keyer. Um, yep. I think the 3D keyer is probably the most intuitive and effective uh, simple keyer that I've ever used. And I want to be really yeah, yeah. clear about that. This keyer is not about refinement, right? This is not the same thing as an <laughs> HSL and, you know, uh, adjusting, you know, Luma separately or pulling in a Luma-only key or whatever. This basically just goes, I'm going to draw a line on this. This is what I want a key. Did it do it? Yep. Okay. It looks great. Perfect. Right. Um, so for that really fast, simple keys, somebody's skin or something like that. Love it. Um, related perspective tracking in the tracker. Huge for me. I was working on a piece on Friday where this woman was turning her head left and right. And I was trying to do like a, like a kind of a high key lighting thing. Right. So where I had like a heavy, like spot on one side of her face and a lot of shadow on the other side of her face. Um, really hard to do with previous pr uh, uh, tracking tools. I don't know about you guys, but I also just think the tracker just works better. Uh, I it think it works better. It, it seems like it, it sticks more. And related to that, I don't know if you guys have played much around with this, but how many times have you done a track and realized that there's like, I don't know, like a second of the track where it, it's all screwed up? I've, I don't know if you guys have played with the new frame controls um, in the tracker. This essentially allows you to do kind of rotoscoping of an automatic track which for me is huge. It's not one of those things you use every time, uh, but that is really huge. So if I had to give my number one thing, it would be kind of the secondary targeted refinement types of corrections with the 3D keyer, the perspective tracking, uh, and so on that they've added, which is really cool. Dan, what do you, what's your number one? 
Uh, or did I did I steal yours? No, no, you didn't <laughs> steal it. Uh, mine is it's probably seems boring at first, but I really find the compound nodes are amazing because I am a messy, messy pop- <laughs> colorist. When I like. Like say I'm doing a car or a beauty. Commercial. Well, why don't you explain what a compound node is in case people ah, don't know? That's a good part. Uh, so like a compound node is a way of nesting nodes. Mm. So say you have a node graph with like say 15 nodes, and five of them is just for someone's face, and you don't need to look at that all the time. You just think, you know what, I'm finished with the face. You can select them all, uh, right click on it, and click. Com- uh, I think is it like create compound node, and then it basically nests them all into one. Yeah, that's the way I think about nodes. it is as a nest, a nest yeah. of nodes. Yeah. And yeah. just so people know, because um, I had a little trouble getting it to work, it's not intuitive how to create a compound node. For me, at no, least on the Mac, while. yeah, I had to do command click on each node I want to yeah. nest, and then right click and then select it. it. It's actually kind of tricky still. Maybe that's something they'll improve. But basically, when you do it now, you get like a little red box on top of the nodes. But the one you started on doesn't get the red box, and you think is that part of it as well? Actually, they, so, they they've they've updated that in the the, the public beta, Dan. Uh, that was uh, a problem. I think that's the one I have, but maybe it's just the way I was using it before. Yeah, if you command click on it, you get that little red selection box, and it's similar to uh, kind of like the command or control clicking on clips in the timeline. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yep. Yeah, and then you can you can just fire them in. Uh, what I do like about it is if you do need to change it, you can actually just double click on it, dive in, change it. Uh, and I haven't really mastered it yet, but I do see myself using, you know, like those kind of uh, really big node graphs. Like if you remember that one for skin retouching, that's on Lift Game Again. That's mm-hmm. like 15 nodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even grain. I get really annoyed seeing like that layer mixer for adding grain because uh, I'm on Linux. I can't use uh, OFX plugins as easy as you guys. So I still use the other grain, you know, like adding it uh, like with an overlay blending mode. Right. Um, so I use grouping a lot for that. And I just, I hate having a grain node in there. So I'm going to just build hopefully like preset um, nodes like that. I can just drop them in and they work. You know, it's all built in there kind of thing. I'm totally, I'm um, totally, I'm totally cheating, Dan. I'm going to ride on your favorite thing. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but now like the layer, uh, layer mixer node and... Oh, um, you stole it. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, no, you, you, ex- you explain then. You all go, right, you so my it. number two then, uh, moving on from what Dan was just talking about, my number two then is the visual difference of the kind of operational nodes, right? Layer yeah. mixer, parallel node, keyer node, they physically look different than yeah. normal nodes. They I can't tell before. you, especially when I was teaching or when I do like live training, how many people get confused because totally. they think they can color grade on one of those nodes, yeah. and now it just looks different. If you're not, if you have that node highlighted, nothing's happening. You'll look at it and say, "Oh, I guess I can't color grade on because it, it looks yeah. different." And then you'll actually every really node you that. want to grade on. So I love that it's kind of more streamlined visually. I get a better sense of what's an operational node. Do I have operational nodes in here? And I can in an instant see what I see. So that that's kind of my number two on the node tree. It definitely mm. leads the way for um, you know fusion nodes and things like that in the future as well. Yeah, I no, I, I agree, and it just it just it's like those kind of nodes have always been kind of like you know connective tissue for me. Yep. So it's good that they are they have a visual a different different visual representation. All right, my number two uh, is of course uh, having to do with some kind of color management aspects of Resolve. Yeah, yeah. Um, so f- number one, uh, it should be noted that uh, this year, and we were lucky enough to have them as a sponsor of the NAB Colorist Mixer, um, the Academy, of course, released ACES version 1.0. Um, and so, of course, Resolve now supports ACES 1.0 and its many implementations and stuff like that with IDTs and ODTs, etc. And uh, the guys at Blackmagic, at first I was a little confused about this, why they did it, but I kind of get it from a, I don't know, 
marketing standpoint or a whatever, you know, money standpoint, they came out with Resolve Color Management, which is kind of, in my opinion, kind of their own version of Aces. I, mean, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I mean, the end, mm. res- the goal is the same, right? To color manage a project. Um, so, you know, there's a couple different ways that you can operate the color science inside of Resolve now. You can, when you open up your project settings, um, you can use just, you know, DaVinci YRGB, which we've always what we've done. been using for. 11 yeah, versions for, right forever yeah. um of course you could step into aces which you know uh is its a whole new workflow but then you can also do yrgb color managed and the cool part about this is that when you go into the color managed version of uh yrgb is essentially what you can set up is kind of how clips are going to be handled when they're input into a resolve like the color space they're going to use how your timeline is handled, and then kind of finally what your output is handled. So I'll just give you an example. Let's just say you have a whole plethora of clips that come from a Ari Alexa, right? And they're shot log C on Alexa. The way that I've always handled this, I'm sure you guys have done, is that you get the clips in, they look flat, you grade them, maybe you apply a LUT in the node tree, and then you're outputting, you know, whatever, you know, uh, Rec 7 or 9, right? Yeah. Um, the way that this is handled now is that if you bring in a clip and you have color managed uh, YRGB set up, you can assign kind of a color space to your input clips. So you can just simply select all your Alexa clips, go, yep, this is Ari Alexa. And you know what happens? Bam, just like that, they're transformed. Now, this is not a LUT. This is like a mathematical, I don't know, math. Yeah, it's math. It's, yeah, math. it's math. Yeah, rather than a lookup table that just has a series of plot points and says, with this right. input, give me that output, this is a mathematical formula. And, Robbie, why is that so important? Well, because I think that you're not limited by the idea of a LUT, right? LUTs do a lot of bad things, uh, potentially potentially do a lot of bad things like clipping and, uh, you know, rounding errors and all and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know, guys. I think that I'm going to be using this a lot more than uh, potentially the idea of ACES. I was really intrigued by using ACES more and more. Um, but in my own testing of this so far, this has been pretty exceptional and, like, you know, I you know if you compare, say, like an RE uh, LUT generator LUT versus the kind of the math that's going on internally with the Resolve Color Management, I mean, the results with the Resolve Color Management, just like doing nothing, just importing the clip and assigning it to like an Alexa or whatever, are far superior in my mind than I see with a LUT generated from the RE Alexa generator. So uh, to be, uh, you know, to be continued, I'm really, really uh, kind of jazzed about this. So that's my number two. Yeah, that's great. And uh, just to add two things to that. One is, uh, one of the things I love about it that I've been playing with about it is if you decide that you don't want uh, that color management to happen, you just want to grade log or whatever, yeah, uh, just the way, you, you can set it up that way to that, that it just shows you the log, right? Yep. And then yep. you can grade it normally and still, so you could pick and choose on this project, I want these camera formats to be handled one way, these other camera formats I like how the black magic um, math is working out. I want to work with that. And you can do that on a camera by camera basis, even a clip by clip basis, you can override it. The second thing is uh, in talking to a variety of people in terms of ACES, I think one criticism of ACES has been that it's the academy and the academy is concerned about cinema. And so Mm. ACES is kind of for the guys whose primary deliverable is the silver screen. Yeah. It works great for them. For yep. guys whose primary deliverable is web or television, n- you know, they're finding that it's it's just the way the math works isn't as forgiving as it is as it does when no. for cinema. So, I think that's part of what this is a response of is giving us Asus like control for non-silver screen material. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 a good point. That's a really good point. All right, Dan, number two for you. Uh, this one's a strange one for me. I uh, correct me like if this has been in here for ages, but I really like the new media management tool. Oh, media like, management. Uh, it's, it's great. Yes. It's great. Yes. yes. It, like was was that in there previously? Just packaged differently, or it just... no? Well, so you could always convert in the previous video. You could convert media, right? So if you needed yeah. to say, oh, I need to create a DPX image sequence for a visual effects guy or whatever of a QuickTime clip, uh, you could do that. But the idea of consolidating and trim and all that kind of stuff—that's so that's, easy. That's yeah. totally new, and it's funny that you said that because. Um, uh, you know, we had previously done, I think, Patrick, you had done an insight on it, or maybe not an insight, maybe it was part of our Resolve uh, 11 Deep Insights about using, um, gosh, what's the name of that, that app that was out there for a while? Yeah, Resolve, uh, Resolve Collect. Collect. Resolve yeah. Collect. Yep. And so uh, I think this gives, you know, colorist that functionality but really guys this is built from you know editors have always had media management capabilities yeah. uh, with their nles and so i agree that's that's a killer feature i'm loving it because we're uh, the way my system is like i'm on a linux box so i can't plug my drives directly in so i have to media manage every single job where this one's this makes it so easy where i can just say right there's 700 million terabytes of 11k right, you know, right. super red <laughs> uh it's like but i only need 14 you're on the eleven. You're on the eleven K version already. Are, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, are yeah. you a beta yeah. tester? Is that what's <laughs> yeah, but obviously it all has to be finished at eleven K. Eleven K, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I found like I I never used the media tool before, but I was just trying out the new feature, and I just went click, 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 and I was like, wow. That was a really, and it's really fast. I don't know it how is. it's still really fast. Well, well actually, I'll, I'll tack on one little thing to that. That's not my number three, but I'll tack on to yours. Uh, is the new uh, generate optimized media command too? I don't know if you guys have seen that. So, oh, like, yeah. so if you have you know crappy H.264 or something that's gonna you know take a lot of um, uh, processing a lot of processor power. cycles yeah. and stuff like that, you can just say bam, make this ProRes. It's kind of um, or you know DNX or whatever. It's uh, very similar to what Adobe is doing with the uh, render and replace command uh, in their timeline. Um, so if you have a you know clip that's just not working and you want to make everything kind of very homogenous on your timeline, uh, it's really easy to do with the generate optimized uh, media command. And Dan, uh, also check out the archive command. Uh, there's a new archive command that allow you to essentially when you wrap up a job, not only does it basically back up the DRP, it backs up all the associated media with it as well. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so there's a new command in there. So check it out. Uh, read about it in the manual. I, I almost made the manual my number yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking well, like, can we make? Too. Well, let's make that. Like, let's make that a, a collective number four. Okay, okay so collectively we'll number four. Okay, we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. my number three then would have been the 3D keyer, but Robbie already pulled that. Yeah, um, but I will tell you, I was a little nebulous about it. I had been for the first two or two or two and a half weeks. I tried kept trying the 3D keyer. I just found I, the HSL keyer, I was able to get better results with the type of material I was working on. And then literally today, uh, I got a note back from a client. We had to change a product color. And it was a really tough HSL key to pull. And I'm looking at this, I'm saying, this actually seems like something that's perfect for the 3D keyer. Went into the 3D keyer and one line draw, and I, it pulled the most perfect <laughs> key I've ever seen. Uh, in, an, in, a, in a color correction, pieces of color correction software. It was brilliant. And yep. uh, yep. so, you know, it's the type of thing where it's, it doesn't work all the time. It's the type of thing, oh, all right, the HSL keyer isn't working in 30 seconds. Let's try the 3D keyer and give it 30 seconds, mm. you know? Exactly. And that's why I said I think that it's kind of like, a, it's like the, oh, I, I almost want to call it like the quick keyer. 
yeah. right? Because it's just sort of like you're not going to have that refinement, and you can't do things like pull a Luma only key or whatever. Right. You have to right. you have to do that somewhere else. But I think for just like oh, there's that. I want that. Okay, there it is. Um, and I think they've really enhanced those those algorithms. Yeah, and with the plus and minus too. So you you do like a plus softness or a minus softness, and it actually adds another layer stack and you can turn those layers on and off yep. Yep. Um, and, and so I've been re I've been having a lot of fun playing with that but okay so I'm gonna jump it to spline power windows or bezier power windows where mm. we can select one of our power windows and convert it into a bezier shape so that we can deform those those uh, those particular nodes, those particular points. So it'll allow me to do things like I love to do on uh, speed grade. One of my favorite shapes yeah. on speed grade <laughs> was deforming a circle to give me like a weird oval. And yeah. it's a great way of hiding all sorts of very soft vignettes. Um, it could, it's great for faces. It's great for vignettes that are l like originating from a light source. Um, and I just I love that that's there now. I'm going to be saving off a bunch of power grades of other of you know kind of non-traditional shapes that I can just instantly pull up. So that's that's my number three. That's a that's a really cool one. I like that's that. Really the, the speed grade reference is good too because it allows you to like not have to draw something from scratch, right? You can just like take a circle as your basis, yep. and then kind of just deform it a little bit without having to go to a uh, a custom curve window, which exactly. is great. Exactly. All right, Dan, uh, I'll, I'll skip me. You go to number three. What's your number three? Uh, it's hard to pick now. You guys stole all the good ones, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of the other things that we haven't spoken about. I mean, for me, I don't know about you guys, but at Resolve 11 time, when I seen all the edit changes and not that many color changes, I was like, oh, this isn't so good for me. But I have found over the year that the real challenge for a colorist is actually like conforming things and edits changing at the last minute. Oh, and can you guys just drop the sound in? And... I found like since I seen it at NAB, thinking oh, I can't wait till this comes on the edit page, because I've really I spend way more time in there than I used to. So I think the edit feature is like being able to do so much more now. And it Dan, is, like, you're really gonna you're gonna love relinking. Oh yeah, they completely badass. made relinking yeah. like modern again. So no longer uh -huh. this 2002, you know, change by source folder thing. It's gonna you're gonna love it. And Dan, I and, tried that actually. and Dan, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, we didn't talk about. I mean, there has just been so, so many enhancements in the edit page from mm. multicam editing, audio work uh, with audio effects. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, you can now use um, uh, splines or Bezier curves on like any effect, right? So if that's you wanted cool. to, you know, animate, uh, you know, uh, a layer of text across screen, you can do it that now. Um, my number three, though, I don't know if you guys have done this, but we always joke, right, about the auto button on the control panel. Right? Oh, like, yeah, auto, yeah, auto, yeah. Auto yeah. Um, and one of the things I've always loved demoing with Adobe SpeedGrade has been the shot matching, right? They get this cool little two-up or three-up window, and you can automatically say, hey, here's my reference, and match it to it. Uh, well, we can do that now in uh, Resolve, automatic shot matching. Simply select a bunch of clips uh, and pull out, you know, right-click on them and do you know, match to this one or whatever your hero one's going to be. You know, this has the caveat of every automatic shot matcher. Uh, you know, it works. Uh, depends kind of on the frame you're on. Uh, depends on a lot of variables, you know, codec and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think they put a lot of work into this algorithm. I've been testing it uh, quite a bit. I, you know, today I actually did, graded an interview shot, went to, you know, the same interview shot later in the timeline, selected the first clip and said auto match, uh, or, you know, and it 
I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was 96, 95% of the way there. Did it pull secondaries as well? Or did it just, was it just mm, primary? No, it's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's like a tone thing, okay. right? It's not, it's not the same thing as copying the grade. Right, right, right. Uh, but like the, the, you know, the contrast, the color temperature, that right, kind of stuff, right, right. Uh, it works, it works pretty well. And um, that's a segue into, I think, what the fourth thing is that we all would agree on. Um, uh, Alexis Van Herkman and his uh, user manual, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, we've know, all known Alexis for a long time, um, and his work is you know, abon- uh, above reproach when it comes to kind of documentation and that kind of stuff. And uh, I just think that this new user manual, which, by the way, is clocking in over a thousand pages <laughs> now, um, is uh, is just pretty darn exceptional. I think yeah. that he yeah. has he has taken the right approach. You know, this is a huge update. Let's take the time to reorganize things. I think his logic of reorganizing the user manual makes sense. And I mean, I was just literally last night flipping through the PDF of it, going. Well, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. Yeah. And like he's already kind of thought ahead and like literally the, the exact same way that I would ask the question, like it's a header in the, the manual. Yep. Um, you know, <laughs> so cool. I, I think he's just done a really exceptional job uh, of all his writing work that I love. I think this is probably his, his best stuff. And I also want to give kudos just generally to Black Magic and the DaVinci Resolve team for having that node processing tree. In that's the manual, just what I was about to say. Uh, that's just brilliant in there. It's so good. You know, you used to ask them about it. They're like, "Well, that's our secret sauce," and and for whatever reason, they decided to put it into the Resolve 12 manual, and it's freaking fantastic. Right, right. I mean, it's great. If you want to know what operation happens in what order, like I, f- until today. Or this weekend, I had no idea which happens first: curves or the three-way color corrector. You know, mm. and you can kind of get it out of that that. Um, diagram. So I thought that was huge. Very cool. Well, guys, we have spent 30 minutes or thereabouts uh, talking about awesome new features. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to talk about some of the things that we could see some improvement on, some things that have kind of got us a little bit in terms of, I wish it worked this way, uh, and some general workflow tips with Resolve 12. So be sure to come back uh, for the next installment in this special edition of From the Mailbag. <laughs> 